This is a Culture Inject production. The Nevers Podcast presents Firefly Back in the Skies. listeners welcome back to our retrospective series firefly back in the skies i'm laura and i'm chirag and uh this week we're going to be looking at the episode shindig so uh just a little bit of news for you guys so jason marshall joins us as a full-time contributor to the website jason's been writing analyses of the nevers for our site and the feedback that we've been receiving for him uh, has been overwhelmingly positive uh so we've invited him to join the family crew Expect more Nevers-related content from him in the near future and let us know what you'd like to read more of on our blog. You can email or tweet your suggestions to us at the Nevers Podcast without the A if you're on Twitter and the Nevers Podcast at gmail.com if you want to send us an email. Awesome. Welcome on board, Jason. Join join us. <laughs> the ship is open. You can enter. So I will be reading the synopsis for this episode. This is the synopsis. So, in order to secure a job transporting cargo off-planet for a client, Mal attends a social event where a dance with Inara leads him to being challenged to a fort sword 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 fight to defend her honor. Uh, it aired in November uh, 2002. Cast and crew, same people. Mark Shepard as Badger. Edward Adderton as Atherton Wing. I didn't know that. His last name <laughs> is similar to his character's first name. Uh, yeah, I found that interesting. <laughs> it was written by Joss Whedon and Jane Spenson, directed by Vern Gillum. Okay, uh, discussion. Join. Uh, so we're starting with the discussion. So the show opens with Mal and Jane playing a game of pool with some men on the planet Santo, while Inara watches from the bar. After finding out the men are slave traders, Mal picks one of their pockets and a fight ensues. Yeah, I found that the funniest thing in this little bit I found was like when the bulls start like freaking out and they're all super angry thugs like looking at the bar person like, come on, like this isn't right. And they just points at the sign. And after seeing the sign, they're just like, yeah, okay. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah th- so just... we're not responsible for the balls malfunctioning <laughs> yeah like suddenly oh okay it's all all right then that feels like a that feels like a sexual thing too like a double entendre <laughs> 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 yeah that was a that was that was yeah the hollow 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 holograph hologram ball pool yeah i think this episode uh, we see more later like technology at the ball but it's kind of funny because you see even in the outskirts where everything's a bit kind of like old west, kind of a bit, you know, broken down yeah. and like dingy places, you've still got this extreme futuristic technology, but used in kind of the weirdest places. I love how it's like the shittiest technology. Like it's even though it's in the future and it's just like this technology exists that today we would be so like mesmerized by but it's like Mm. the shittiest technology it's like windows 2003 and it's just buffering (laughs) while they're trying to play billiards i Mm. think that was perfect yeah i think it's just funny like you've got real cues but fake balls and it's kind of like oh yeah i don't know for what purpose it's kind of like is it so that people don't throw balls at each other but like like um 
and Nara says like giving someone like Jane like a That's hard pointy true. stick is like I don't know how cheap technology would become by virtue of just whatever that Murphy's law thing is, but uh, I feel like it'd be way cheaper to just buy actual billiard balls instead of yeah. <laughs> install a holographic like uh, a projector or whatever. And how does like an actual cue, like a physical cue, interact with a hologram? The tip mm. of it, I would imagine, needs to have some kind of uh, like ability to uh, receive and send data or information somehow to the to the. I don't know. I'm trying to dissect technologically how it would work i'm i'm not a i'm not a future expert yeah we don't fully understand the workings of holograms no no <laughs> i'll take we need courses at mit to <laughs> do that okay so uh back on serenity we see that inara uh books a regular client named atherton wing which is a name that is so rich just sounding he mm. she books him for several days the crew then lands on persephone a planet where they seek to refuel and find new work uh while walking in the street they stop in front of a dress shop kaylee has her eye on a fluffy pink dress and mentions how inara is the only person she knows who has the opportunity to wear such elegant clothing uh, and then Malin gets very impatient and he patronizingly asks what she would do with such a dress and compares her to a sheep walking on its hind legs. Um, Kaylee gets offended. She goes back to the ship with Wash and Zoe, leaving Mal and Jane behind. Um, so first of all, I love the whole uh, bit with Wash and Zoe. Um, and he just like turns to Mal and he's like, Captain, can I have money for a slinky dress? And then Jane's oh. like, you know, I'll chip in. Yeah. So he's like, I can hurt you. Yeah, yeah. I think I think this episode has some really good, um, good stuff with like uh, Zoe, Wash, and Jane, and just kind of them all interacting in a way that we haven't really seen yet. They're kind of, you know, and later on in the episode, they're all kind of getting along. Um, and it's just working together. Mm, yeah, they're a big it, happy group of team members in this one. Zoe has like a very casual, a very easy charisma. Mm. The actress who plays her, Gina Torres, the way yep. she, like she she just kind of turns to Jane so fluidly, still kind of laughing from the joke. She's like, "I can hurt you." I. <laughs> it was very like charismatic. And then I think um, the way that Mao is treating Kaylee in this is really just him fueling his anger from his interaction with Anara. Mm. Like I feel like he's he's on edge and he's angry because of all this stuff with He's Atherton. always on edge. He <laughs> lives on the edge. The raggedy but, um, edge. And then you have Jane just being completely oblivious to to everything. Like, is she mad or something? Like clearly has no clue when it comes to women or people in general, I think. <laughs> yeah, and then Mal kind of like gives that eye roll that it that well, not, not like on camera, but like that you can see in his facial expressions, like his face is eye rolling because anytime Jane is on his side or like they're the only ones left together, he knows that he's in the wrong, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's questionable when, yeah, the only person that's got your back is Jane. Right. Everybody else <laughs> left. <laughs> so um, after the, the, the window shopping, we... Uh, 
uh, the two men are contacted by Badger. So that's Mal's former contract, uh, former contractor who we saw uh, in the first episode, Serenity, when they backed out, he backed out of the deal. Um, so he tells Mal and Jane that he's seeking to do business with a man named Warwick Harrow, but that he won't deal with Badger directly. So basically he wants Mal to contact him at this party uh, later that night and... Lo and behold, it turns out it's the same party that Anara's attending with mm, Atherton. Wow, what a coincidence. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> I I just, like, it, maybe I'm just making it up, but Badger kind of feels like, because he's like he keeps badgering them. I don't know if that's related. <laughs> like, he says, do my job. Maybe that's why he's named Badger, because he badgers. It's like this. Slightly irritating, quite small man that just keeps badgering them, yeah. So I like that Jane knows the word pretentious mm. in this conversation. And everyone kind of looks... Well, Mal's obviously like, don't put words in the guy's mouth when he's trying to insult us. But also I feel like a bit of shock, like, Jane, like, <laughs> do you know what that means? <laughs> oh, and then you've got the whole conversation with Badger about the... um a diamond the size of a testicle. Oh, and then he God. says, <laughs> but I got a couple that's, and everyone's... <laughs> that's another, like, that's another, like, um, uh, another, uh, like, a sexual thing, like, with the balls malfunctioning and then the, <laughs> di- the, test- the diamond testicles or whatever. We've got I think a lot the theme of, uh, of this, yeah. the theme of this episode is balls. Yeah. Um, because it's, like, Mal being, like, really manly and kind of showing that he's got a pair to protect Tanara. And then, you know, balls at the beginning. Badger's talking about balls. It's all about balls. <laughs> but I love that look afterwards. Like, after he says it and he clearly has no idea what is just kind of said. And they're both looking at each other kind of just, like, giggling. He's like, of invites. <laughs> and then I love the whole next bit. So after we see that interaction, we see Mal go into Kaylee. And Kaylee's like, I'm not speaking to you, Captain. <laughs> I just found that hilarious. She's so cute. And it's like, you know, she's not speaking to him, but she has to speak to him because he's the captain. Uh, we're at the party and it's revealed that Atherton has offered to have Anara live with him on Persephone as his personal companion. Hmm. But she's not decided either way yet. And then Mao arrives with Kaylee on his arm. So she's wearing, you know, the big fluffy dress from the window shop. And we're all so happy because... You know, she really wanted it, and you can see just how happy she is. Um, so Mal's purchased that as an apology, but obviously really only to just get to this party. Um, he goes to look for Harrow while Kaylee questions the buffet table, which is brilliant. She's so her her facial expressions alone in this episode are just like you know amazing. She's oh yeah, so totally, fantastic. totally agree with you. Yeah, she looks over to the buffet table, and it's like he's like that could be him. He's like, that's that's the buffet table. Well, how can we be sure unless we question it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, very, bo- very wrote, body positive. I literally just wrote in like capital letters, Kaylee is so cute. Okay, I swear to God, this revelation just hit me. When you were saying Persephone and then you were saying um, Atherton was inviting Inara to come stay with him. Yeah. Uh, the connection between those two things just hit me because I don't know if you know the story of Persephone, like uh, the Greek myth. Right. So okay, so I'll, okay, I'll I'll explain it. Okay. Explain, explain. Sorry, this is the last time I'll do this. 
So <laughs> there, there was a, there was this Greek g- goddess named Persephone, and she was the daughter of I forget. Uh, she was a daughter of the goddess of harvest. So like, um, you know, like uh, planting grains and vegetables and food and that kind of thing. So Persephone was like the brightest, most happy, most joyous person. Like everywhere she ran, like sunflowers would uh, flourish in the trail of her footsteps or whatever. That kind of thing. Like she was such a happy, beautiful, wonderful person. And Hades, who is kind of like the dark king of the underworld... He looked up at Persephone and he saw her beauty and her joy and he fell in love with her and he fell in love with her to such an extent that he uh, like he he flew he ascended from the underworld on his dark chariot with his horses and he grabbed Persephone and he dragged her to the underworld to come stay with him. And uh, I'm just now making the connection between that and Atherton Wing looking at Inara and seeing her beauty and her grace and wanting to drag her down to his underworld to stay with him. And eventually what happens to Persephone when she gets kidnapped by Hades and she has to live with him is that her beautiful, wonderful heart turns to ice and becomes very hard and her all of her joy kind of dissipates and she sits on the throne next to Hades kind of with you know like a very neutral expression on her face just feeling nothing numb just just you know feeling terrible and then you know that the story continues like her mother raises hell in heaven and refuses to let the harvest happen if her daughter isn't returned but her daughter had eaten of the fruit of the underworld and therefore couldn't return completely so she has to stay in the underworld for like half of the year which is why we have winter where nothing grows and summer where everything grows summer and spring because in the in the winter and fall Persephone is in the underworld so her mother allows nothing to grow in the soil that's the story basically but i was like i just noticed the the atherton and nara stay with me uh, anyway okay sorry we can keep going keep going continue the resume the flow of the show go go ahead that was really interesting yeah because i feel like if nara was to stay that she would become that numb kind of unhappy right it would just suck all the life out of her and and serenity is is basically like freedom that's what serenity yeah. is so to to leave serenity and to stay with atherton would basically be to ditch freedom and to like uh like get rooted down in captivity and domesticity which was kind of fits with the persephone thing i don't know keep going well my my last little funny note from this scene was the um <laughs> yes sir captain tight pants <laughs> Oh yeah, because he because his. I thought that it referred to his like spaceship pants, but are those referring to his like uh, uh, party pants? I think it's referring to his party pants. However, I feel like the outfit that he's actually wearing in this scene is very ill-fitting and baggy because he's obviously just gone and bought probably the cheapest thing he could get. 
So back on Serenity, we have Simon, Book, and Jane, and they're playing a game of tall card where, Mm -hmm. and then River, she starts tearing labels off of the food cans, and Simon and Book try to calm her while Jane steals Book's winnings. Um, I I guess I'd want to say something about this scene. I don't know if I'm right or not, but it feels to me like with the labels on the food cans so the labels on the food cans identify what those cans are right whether it's like spam or peas and carrots or whatever so those cans are identified by those labels and river is kind of tearing those labels off kind of like she's tearing off these identifications and a lot of this episode is about identity and how you can uh, claim your identity with what you wear like you know the girls at the party are wearing these really fine dresses made by a bunch of slaves or whatever and um, that makes them uh, classy and then Kaylee wants to wear that big froofy dress and uh, it, it for because that's an identity that she wants to try on that she never gets to like she, she was saying, Inara gets to wear all these elegant dresses. I'm stuck in the engine room with grease on my forehead. So, it, and like, even like Mal wearing the suit and it being tight on him. And like the scene with um, Zoe and uh, Wash after they have just made love. And they're kind of without any clothes. Like they're truly themselves together and that kind of thing. So a lot of it is like kind of like tearing off all these identities and getting to the the food of it like this is what it is or maybe that's just me making up some horse shit i don't know no i think i think you're on it there i agree Mm. with you it's like this yeah this 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 episode's a lot about identity and you know what you wear or how you look um Mm. i don't know isn't the most important part of you because because we go on well okay first of all um it's hilarious just before i move on that that these guys they seem to be playing this like really serious game but they're betting with chores yeah because <laughs> <laughs> that's all they have right yeah. <laughs> and then um and my favorite moment is is book after he wins he says well that's a nice part of things i don't have to do he's um it's good to see shepherd book kind of having some fun where he's not having to think about i don't know because I feel like he's always the one that's trying to offer the moral code and, and be there morality to be their can conscience. Be, morality can be fun. You don't think so? <laughs> you never saw like one of those really fun children's cartoons teaching you morals? So um, after this, we go back to the party and Kaylee meets a group of girls uh, who are criticizing her dress for looking like it was bought from a store. She finds herself fitting in more with the men at the party. Meanwhile, Mal speaks to Harrow, who is uh, hesitant to deal with someone associated with Badger. Uh, Atherton comes up to them and greets Harrow while Mal asks Anara for a dance. So um, I guess like for me, the most like prominent thing is all the interaction with Kaylee. So Kaylee's like super excited. She's in this dress. She's having a ball and she walks over to this group of girls to just, you know, say hi. And you know, you all look so pretty. She literally walks over to a group of girls and compliments them. Right. You all look so amazing basically. And they are like stuck up, really fancy people in their dresses. Like you said, like made by slaves and whatever. And I have the, and I get really angry because I'm like, I've got the audacity to, to, you know, insult our Kaylee. 
<laughs> it's not because you just see all the happiness like drain from her face and even though I think she's probably someone that doesn't has grown up not really caring about what others think or whatever because she's so into her mechanics and and what she loves it's like you know she's had this is her night and she's getting to to do this and and they're bringing her down so when the guy comes over and just totally like one lines that go away it's brilliant you know, and i'm just like oh it's kind of like uh it's kind of like going back to the food can metaphor where like like those girls are wearing like a gourmet like designer uh carrots and peas label and then kaylee kind of wanting to try on that identity but she puts on like the the costco version i don't do you guys have costco in england she she puts on like the the like the store version of it that's not the designer one thinking that she belongs in the same shelf but you know she I guess like the easier thing would be to like they're wearing Gucci she's wearing fake Gucci that kind of thing I don't know I mean for me I grew up being like what people would say like a major tomboy I didn't do like what people would say is like girly or whatever and I don't know it's just that like judgment that you get from Especially when you're like a teen or whatever and everyone's in like their groups at school and there's like a lot of judgment going on because what you like or what you dress like. So, I don't know, it's just kind of, you know, it's nice to see. Um, and I'm kind of like Kaylee, you know, at parties or whatever. I'll be hanging out with the guys talking about whatever, not wearing like super fancy dresses. <laughs> I'm Kaylee in this scene. Uh, so I don't know if you noticed, but there was a big like slave thing in this uh, episode. Did you notice that? Yeah. 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 So like the like the slave guys in the beginning that Mal starts to fight with because they were using slaves for something, I guess. And then in this scene with the guy kind of using the fact that slaves put these girls into their dresses and as a roast uh, material. And then uh, later, Mal says, and I didn't write this down, so I'm trying to remember it. But when Mal is in his room the night before the duel and Inara comes and Mal says something like, "Um, you think the rules can buy you a good life, but the rules make you a slave. Do you remember that part? He says that to Inara when he's trying to tell her to not take that uh, arrangement with Atherton. He's like, uh, you think following the rules will buy you a good life, but the rules make you a slave. And there's a lot of, and like when Atherton is like really gripping Inara's arm and trying to own her in that kind of master-slave way where this is a financial interaction and i own this person just fiscally that's when mal punches the guy like both in both instances of violence are instigated by uh, mal punching someone who is being a master over slaves basically and and uh i guess that kind of goes to the core of their relationship because Inara is not a slave. She's choosing to do what she does. She's not forced into doing it. But I guess Mal doesn't that doesn't click with him. What are your what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's also like on the grand scheme of things that like did he think 
you know, backfighting the war for independence from the alliance that accepting and becoming just someone that lives under this alliance rule would kind of make everyone like a slave to the alliance. You know, it's interesting because the historic parallel here, and um, I'll bring this up, but the historic parallel is that the brown coats are supposed to be like the the independents in the Civil War, which actually happened in America. Like they were the ones who didn't want the Union, right? And they were the ones who were slave owners. And it's not, it's the rules that were put in place by the Union were put in place to end slavery. So they didn't create slavery. They ended slavery with rules. But Mal is kind of this embodiment of a revisionist history where you take the psychology of the people who lived in the South of America, not South America, but the South of the United States, and it takes that psychology and reinterprets it in a more benevolent light. Like it take it doesn't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Essentially, it it finds the value in where these people are coming from, and uses that in Mal's case. Like it puts that into Mal's righteous bones, and has him fighting against slavery with the psychology of the people who own slaves, basically. Uh, while dancing, he and Inara discuss Atherton's proposal, and they agree that he has no say in what she does. Uh, Atherton attempts to pull Inara away, and Mal rebukes him, leading Atherton to call Inara a whore, which Mal responds to by punching him in the face. Uh, unbeknownst to Mal, he entered into a challenge with Atherton, which he then accepts, and they must duel with swords in the morning. Uh, and then Harrow, who is the business contact, I guess, is intrigued by Mal punching Atherton in the face and mussing it up, and he says mm-hmm. he might deal with him if he survives the duel, which is unlikely because Atherton is good with swords. My favorite part in this bit is after he punches him and, you know, they like, any any guy here will give you use of his sword. <laughs> and Mal just turns and is like, use, use of what? <laughs> use, like, use of a use, swat? Use yeah. of what now? Yeah. Like, what, what? <laughs> he says, he, he, he says, uh, swat. He says swat. Like, swat? <laughs> yeah, use of a swat. <laughs> it's like, this guy's a cowboy. He's, he's got a gun and he's used to bar brawls and he can put up a good fight, but he's not like a skilled fighter by any means. Yeah, he's not an arrow. He's not a arrow Flynn or like a swashbuckling kind of guy. He's very like um, brawler. Hmm. But um, yeah, it's funny to see like this different life where it's kind of you don't just you know he's ready to just have it out there, have a fight, and kind of air their feelings where both of them get to get up and walk away. But the 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 society here is like, no, no, you have to have an official duel now. This is this is what we do, and you you kill your opponent and it's just kind of like wow that's um extreme and these are supposed to be the you know the civilized people the high ups yeah. of society yeah, yeah the civilized people mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a bit it kind bit of shows crazy. like because maybe this is a 
point better made at the end of it all so I'll, I'll hold on to most of it but it is kind of interesting that you know in the beginning we're kind of in mal's world you know in that bar with the hologram balls that are malfunctioning and um that like in that world we see that mal has instigates this violence against the slavers and then now we're in Inara's world with parties and floating chandeliers and all this cool fondue. And even in that world, Mal instigates this violence because of his righteousness and it kind of like makes the point that these two worlds are not very different from each other. They're both plagued by um, people who are wanting to acquire and own and enslave and uh by you know the same vices that you can find anywhere both of these worlds are essentially the same in that aspect as different as we think they are so um then we see uh we go back to serenity and badger boards the ship with his men to hold the crew hostage basically until the jewel's over so that they won't attempt to go and save mal and ruin badger's like reputation if there is such a thing um <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing we see is Jane doing pull-ups, and I've ju- I'm just like, ah, oh, big strong Jane. <laughs> just proving once again, Jane is the muscle. Yeah. Jane is here. Yeah, I'm sure many people enjoy seeing Jane do do pull-ups. Do they? Um, <laughs> it's, it's quite a pretty sight. Okay. <laughs> I won't. Not I, as pretty as Kaylee in her dress. <laughs> I won't judge. So, um, I love. They're like, do you, um. Surely Mal knows how to use a sword, right? And it's like, well, I think he knows which end to hold. <laughs> just like re-putting in just how um, he's probably never really used a sword in his life. And then I love Kaylee being walked in because the look in her face is just like, she's really unimpressed. She's like, had to leave this party that she was having fun at. And she's still wearing her fancy dress. But she's not, you know she's not unfamiliar with being surrounded by thugs and being in difficult situations. So, you know, being pulled in at gunpoint, I guess, by a badger's men is not, like, super crazy to her. So she's just kind of, like, really unimpressed and just like, hi. <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, it happened again. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Oops. I, I fr- <laughs> oh, it's like I, I forgot to pick up the bananas from the grocery store. Sorry. Here we are in another sticky situation. Who would have thought? <laughs> but, you know, just having an episode where they just go about their daily businesses and nothing goes wrong wouldn't be very entertaining. I mean, I'd probably still watch it, but... <laughs> so um, we then see Inara sneaking into Mao's room at night and uh, is basically offering uh, an escape to him. But Mao's like, no way, you know, I'm, I'm in this. And uh, Inara stays to help him practice dueling for the morning. Which, you know, she actually has some sword skill. One of the many things that you must learn at a companion school. You know, what's interesting is that obviously there's the big duel in this episode with between Mal and Atherton. But, like, dueling, I feel like, takes place a lot between Mal and Inara. Not physically, like, with swords, but, like, the, you know, the, the sparring between them with their wits and, and just verbally kind of the sparring and dueling that takes place on a regular basis between them 
and um, I, I mean, I don't have a higher point to make. It's just a good contrast between that and this kind of apotheosis duel where Mal wins not only the job, but also Inara back. Well, maybe not back. I don't know. But um, yeah, there's, there's quite a bit of dueling between them. So they argue about Mal punching Atherton for implying Inara's a whore, while he keeps calling her one to her face. Uh, Mal informs her that he did so because while he doesn't respect Inara's profession, Atherton didn't respect Inara herself. Yeah, I mean, I think when she says it, you're just kind of like, yeah, that's true. Like, all he's done this entire series so far pretty much is like insult her and insult mostly her profession which is true it's like he does he because he cares for her he doesn't like the fact that she's a companion but I I don't know whether it's because he doesn't think it's like a respectful job truly because I mean like look at what he does for a living and to make ends meet so like why is what she's doing any really worse and you know in the current society it's it's a respectable profession she's gone to school for it she's you know making a living for herself kind of like why is he looking down on that it's really deep-heartedly just because like if he's got feelings for her it's not nice i don't know it's not nice for him to see her i think it might be even more than that because he explicitly explains it on the dance floor he's like uh he says i need another two minutes to remember he he uh, he said he says that oh yeah he says uh what you do is legal but at least what i do is honest Right, because the fact that Atherton has Inara on his on his arm, it, he's kind of like playing this role where he earned Inara, and they're here together, and everybody's kind of honoring that that illusion where these two people are together because they care about each other when it's really just a financial transaction, and that ru- all the uh, so many connections in that room are just a series of transactions that are either political social or financial and there's no honesty or realness or connection between anyone and um just i guess the the deceit the dishonesty that kind of thing that mal is very noble and righteous about that's why he attacks in profession because he thinks and I think maybe he's insecure about his own his own profession, where he also has to do these things that are have have friction with his own noble and his own honesty and righteousness, and that's the that's the struggle his internal struggle in the show, which is that he is a good guy, in a bad situation having to do bad things sometimes. That's the struggle. The struggle with being male. It's so hard to be Mal. I mean, I think just on the base of it, like, you could see that this Atherton fellow is bad news, right? The way that he, like, comes over and grabs her and is, like, claiming that he owns her. I know what's mine. This, and that plays into the whole kind of... Slavery. Um, slavery yeah. thing, yeah. Yeah. So, on board the Serenity, the crew tries to think of a distraction to get Badger's attention while they take out his men. When River enters and, putting on a similar accent to his, pretends to be from Badger's home world, criticizing his delusions of social standing and calling him 
a sad little king of a sad little <laughs> hill before going back to her room. I love how deeply mesmerized everyone is by by River in this scene. Because I feel like up until now, everyone's like, what is she doing? She's weird. What, what's going on with her? And this scene, while she's putting on this act, is like the most coherent she's been the whole time she's been there. Right? It's like the longest she spoke for. It's the, the clearest she's been. But she's she's putting on this facade. And it's like a really strange moment. But everyone's just kind of like mesmerized by her. Which is why it's hilarious afterwards when Jane's like, that, that, that's the exact kind of distraction we were after. <laughs> but they were all so mesmerized that they were just like, could not watch her and what was going on. I think she was channeling uh, Badger's mother or something. I think she... Yeah, I feel yeah. like it, it plays into our whole, her being like an empath and right. like just mind feeling yeah. about people and yeah, like mind reading and whatever. Uh, so moving on, uh, we're back in the morning. It's the morning, and Mal and Atherton's jewel, and uh, it's very clear that Atherton is more skilled. Uh, he breaks Mal's sword and is about to deliver the death strike when Anara says that she'll stay on Persephone if he lets Mal live. So she's willing to give up her freedom, that you know we all think she's very fond of, um, to save Mal's life. She's willing to go down. You know, stay with Hades to... And Hades really does have the power over life and death. So she's like... Yeah. He's a... Yeah. So don't 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 take Mal into the underworld. And I'll go down to the underworld instead and stay with you. Wow, it really fits. I wonder if they actually... Like, I wonder if they actually thought about that when they were writing this. Or if I'm just kind of making it up. I would love to, like pick the mind of the, the writer room. i would love to talk to the writer <laughs> really see what they were thinking about well after that little interaction while atherton is distracted mal takes that opportunity to hit him with the hilt of his sword because we all know he's better with a fist fight than a sword yeah. and um then he takes uh his sword and holding up into the ground he like pokes him a couple times mm. <laughs> but he spares his life so i think it's funny he says the whole um you know, I'm, well, I am like a great man. And then he like gives him a prod. Well, I'm a good man. It gives him another prod. And he's like, well, I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, I think it goes back to the, the nobility of Mal, which is a question. The fact that he has this nobility and this righteousness within him. And it's a question because, and it's a struggle. And, you know, it means that he doesn't really fit in with the thieves. And he also doesn't really fit in with the nobility because he's like within himself kind of, like magnificent you know um well i think it's funny in this scene because they're saying that it's it's not the honorable thing to not kill the guy right yeah. to do the honorable thing is to kill the man because if you don't kill him then he's humiliated mm. but in mal's head he's like well i'm not going to kill someone because that makes me a bad person yeah. um to kill someone for something so kind of small in retrospect um, like he'll kill a man if they're trying to kill him or trying to kill someone that he loves. But this guy's like, you know, they can just walk away and this guy's never going to bother them again, right? So why would he kill him? Um, right, and Mal doesn't like, follow the rules of society. He doesn't. He doesn't live by their rules. Yeah, and it's just weird that they would they they expect that the the, the right thing to do would be to kill him. Whereas for him, leaving him there humiliated, like that's a far greater punishment for what he's done 
than than killing him and also if the guy's humiliated that's not really mal's responsibility like that's all inside that guy's head i'm humiliated i feel so bad uh i got stabbed whatever man it's you're alive go enjoy yourself take a walk in the park mal did his job like mercy is the mark of a great man which is what mal says yeah yeah but i also feel like the guy's already got a bad reputation like everyone at the party and the guy um that they're uh trying to do the do the deal with like hates him and like seems to think that he's a really shady terrible person already so i don't feel like this isn't going to damage him any more than people already think mm. of him you know yeah mm-hmm. now that was interesting how like at the end he tries to like say to river you'll never work in this town again or something like that and uh you'll i'll make sure that you never work again and that kind of blackballing thing but she's really the one who blackballs him but you know given the context of what's i won't re-reference it but the context of what's happening in this whole hollywood thing with the like a big producer saying i'll make sure you never work in this town again and that kind of thing there's a parallel there i don't know uh so as he recovers, Atherton realizes that Inara never intended to stay with him and threatens to put her out of work. Inara then says that Atherton has earned a black mark in the companion registry and will never be able to contact contract with another one. So yeah, like you just said, it's kind of um I feel like it was his last gripe like grasp at some kind of control over her, right? Like, he's lost her, but it's his last kind of clench at power to do some damage. Um, and and she's walking away in the arms of the guy that very first made Atherton jealous. Because really nothing... He, it, I feel like the engagement was going, like, normal. Um, obviously, he really likes her and has offered for her to stay. But until Mal walked in the room and he felt kind of threatened by their clear kind of chemistry... Um, you know, nothing really, really kicked off. But so seeing seeing her walk off, not just walk off away from him, but walk off in the arms of another guy, or with him in her arms, because you know he's injured, um, is a real yeah, kick in the face, which is good. <laughs> so the business contact is impressed at how hard Mal was willing to fight to protect Inara, and tells him he will have his cargo on Serenity later that day now if you'll remember the reason this business guy was unwilling to work with badger is because badger was not did not have any nobility in him he's he's kind of like a very low life guy right and when this business guy finally agrees to give his cargo to mal that is telling us uh, in in the way that story structure tells us the apotheosis moment, it's telling us that it's giving the stamp of approval on Mal that yes he is he is uh, a noble guy he is a righteous guy. The fact that he got the cargo he got the goods. It's, it's playing on that whole thing that like all the things that they do and it's still considering them like a good person or like what what makes you an honorable person what makes you a trustworthy person what makes you like a good person and the lines of all of these are like really blurred in this show but yeah it's, it's funny to see like what what this guy sees in him as being like trustworthy and honorable so it's interesting and um 
is it Mal? Mal says it was a mighty fine shindig. And that's, you know, you know when someone says like, in this show it happens a lot because they say Firefly and they say Serenity a lot, but you know that thing where it's like they say the title of the movie and the, or the title of the TV show and it's like, oh, they just said the title. So it's funny for me to be like, it's a mighty it's fine mighty shindig. So we're back on Serenity and the crew are, are still there kind of like trying to plot um, how to get out. So they they finally come up with a plan to knock out Badger and his men. However, just as they're about to implement it, Mal arrives back and Badger's men just leave because, you know, the deal's done. Um, and then that night, Inara expresses her gratitude to Mal for standing up for her and says that she wouldn't have accepted Atherton's offer anyway. Um, she says, you know... I think she said something along the lines of, um, yeah, why would I leave Serenity? And, and he's like, oh, I can't think of a reason. And then we see that the cargo is is cows or like cattle. And <laughs> it's funny for them to say, why would I leave Serenity? And then it pans down onto like a huge reason why you wouldn't want to be in there right now. <laughs> well, I don't know if that is a reason you wouldn't want to be there. It's kind of like a poetic image where you have this herd of cows on a ship is like visually a jarring image of it's like the perfect um fusion between science fiction and the western to have cows like cowboy like cows literally on a spaceship i think just visually that's a poetic image and uh like the the conversation they're having at the end correct me if i'm wrong but um, Mal says, you know, like, maybe I should have stayed out of your world to Inara. And Inara responds, she says something like, my world, as if, if it is that, right? Inara's like, my world, if it is that. And I think that, because I think that was interesting when I'm thinking about it right now, which is that, like, um, I don't think just like Mal doesn't belong uh in his world or in Inara's world I think Inara doesn't belong in uh Inara's world or Mal's world and that yeah like that mirror image is kind of like there you know like in the beginning Inara is in Mal's world like she's in that bar and she's in Mal's world and she doesn't belong there it's kind of weird that she is there and then in the end Mal is in Inara's world and he doesn't belong there and it's kind of weird that he's at that party and all that's wearing that suit so neither of them belong in each other's worlds or even in their own necessarily but when they're both sitting together in that cargo bay uh, on, on Serenity with the cows beneath them that's where they do belong together on Serenity and you really feel that in the end this is where they yeah, belong they're like they're like this perfect marriage of of like two worlds collided. Like with with Anara, I feel like every opportunity because she could just be on on her shuttle all the time, right? But she's not. She she considers herself part of this well, crew. And even more she's than always that, always trying to get in on the action. Yeah. like she's always there. Yeah, but but like even more than that, she could be on like the like the most high class planet you can think of she could be in an ivory tower with maids and servants rolling out red carpets for her delicate beautiful feet and like you know flowers and garlands and festooned with all this stuff she could be there but she's on serenity so she left her own world to travel on serenity 
and Mal kind of left his world to travel on Serenity also. So the, they found their own little bubble of belonging on that ship because that ship is represents for both of them freedom and for both of them something they're running away from, which is what Inara says now that I'm thinking of it in the previous episode when um, there she's on the, the deck with Simon and they're talking about the crew playing that basketball game and they're talking about River and Simon says that I had I selflessly turned both of us into wanted fugitives, um, and then Inara responds, "Well, we're all running away from something." So I do think Inara's running away from something. Possibly her f- fatal illness. We'll never know. Uh, we'll never know. Yeah, we'll never know. So back to the beginning of this this end scene um, when they first get back and they're talking about you know they they, they was gonna spring into action and come and and rescue him, uh, and Wash is just like. I, I was going to watch. It was very exciting because Wash, like, <laughs> he's very honest in the fact that he has, like, no real part in a fight. Like, that's that's his wife's job. <laughs> Wash is us. He's he's the audience. He's just going to watch. Yeah. And then um, my favorite line um, of the show and possibly of, like, the show as a whole, possibly my, like, most quoted line of the whole show that I say a lot is uh, Mal when he's talking with Anara and he's like, she's like, are you okay? Or like, are you in pain? And he's like, I, I got stabbed, you know, right here. <laughs> it's just my favorite. I just love how he says it. And um, yeah, I just say it all the time. It's one of those, one of the most quotable lines, I think from the show. That is the end of the mighty fine shindig. Yes. Thank you. You can send letters to fireflybits at gmail.com. That's fireflybits at gmail.com. So we've had our mighty fine shindig, um, and the next episode is safe. So uh, in that episode, Mal must choose which crew members to save when one is gravely wounded and two others are kidnapped. Like, come on, guys, give them a break. Um, (laughs) Simon finds an uneasy haven in a remote village, but River's uncanny perceptions jeopardise the Tam's temporary safety. Hmm. There's a lot going on in this episode. Yeah. All I think about when I think about this episode is River's outfit, because she has the skirt with the pink, like, jumper, and I have a little figurine of that, and it's, that's, when I see that, I'm just like, ah, safe. But, um, yeah, so we look forward to reviewing that one for you. Um... Other than that, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time on Firefly Back in the Skies. Bye. Bye.